Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I do not understand this football name in America. How how many of kicks is there in the football game? Six kicks. I'm going to say it once, and hopefully I'm wrong. But it's a disaster waiting to happen. I love all of those things with the piggy skin and the men running around. So much screams, and then a toss, and then everyone is in a large, large hill. A star is born in the NFL. I like the moxie, but I, more importantly, I like the poise and the noise. Oh, what are you doing? You gotta be paping me. It's Jonathan Elway. He was so sassy and cool. And hey, guys, I'm a cowboy. Bang, bang, sling, sling, toss, toss. I'm going to lose all the time. And then I win. And then he leaves as he wins. You cannot beat this. From Munich, Germany, the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast with Kevin Gilligan. Yes, I'm Kevin Gilligan, born and raised in Denver, Colorado, lifelong Broncos fan. I recently moved to Munich, Germany. But as they say, distance makes the heart grow fonder. And so I still love them and love talking about them, even though it's from across the pond. Hey, Broncos fans, thanks for tuning in. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a different day for Broncos Bratwurst this week. Sorry about that. Um, had a really busy Tuesday, and actually, it looks like the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast will be rescheduling at least semi-permanently into Mondays. We'll go to Mondays every week from now on. So no more Tuesdays. We're heading to Mondays. My scheduling you know, had a bit of uh, conflict and... It just works out best with the entire Mile High Report crew and the other podcasts going up, which you absolutely should check out. If you're listening to my podcast on, on Apple iTunes or any of the other platforms, please check out the MileHighReport.com um, podcast with Adam Malnati and Ian 
St. Clair. It's a really good podcast. They have some great, great content. They have good guests. And um, again, highly recommend you listen to that after listening, of course, to me and Broncos and Rotwurst podcast. Today, we're going to talk, obviously, about um, the draft coming up, our predictions for the draft, what we think is going to happen now that the free agency period is it's obviously not over, but the the big splashes are over, at least for now, it would appear. There are still some big names on the market and some big names that um, could, you know, maybe perhaps lower their prices in the coming weeks. And the Broncos could, you know, maybe snatch somebody up uh, after these guys get a little bit desperate and teams not showing them uh, any love in the first weeks of free agency. We'll talk about that a little bit later. We will also have on the Skipper Dude, as always, with another good wrap-up of his of the free agency, kind of going through what he believes. Um, he, he has a really interesting way of looking at how the, the SB Nation fan bases, how they evaluate different trades and how they feel, and how it's actually fairly accurate. And it's proven to be fairly accurate in the past with both milehighreport.com and other SB Nation websites that the it's not necessarily obviously all the comments but the comments that get a lot of wrecks that get um salmoned as we'd say at mhr that they are actually usually pretty accurate in in predicting how the the move will actually turn out so if someone really didn't like a move and you get a if if the i should say if the crowd in general on my heart report seems to not like a move it typically turns out to be a bad move and vice versa so he goes through a little bit of that idea, but with the other looking at the other SB Nation websites, like with the with Miami and looking at um, Juwan James coming in and what Miami thought of Juwan James before he left, and the same with Kareem Jackson and Bryce Callahan. So, a pretty interesting segment again, telling us a little bit what the fan bases think about losing their players, and you can really see with players how you know. If their fan base really freaks out when they lose him, that usually gives us a good idea of what we're getting. And with Bryce Callahan and Kareem Jackson especially, I don't think fan bases, the fan bases for the um, Texans or the Bears respectively, I don't think they freaked out necessarily. But I think there was an overall feeling that they were losing good players. And especially that they're losing like fan favorite players. These are guys who are, who are tough guys, good leader guys, good character guys, and guys that the fans really enjoyed watching play on the field. And that's a good sign. And that's what I've been pounding the table for years and in, in, in this podcast for months, I should say, that they need to bring in character guys. Now, they don't have to be, they don't have to be Boy Scouts, but they have to be guys that really want to play for a team that play hard. They're, they're willing to get their, their, their hands dirty, you know? We, we always go back to Bradley Roby, and I hate to always pick on the guy. And he, he was a talented cornerback, and he made some all-time big plays for the Broncos. Don't get me wrong. That, 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 you know, the, the forced fumble against the, the Chiefs, I think it was, back in 2015. And he made a, a lot of big plays. But the problem was he just he didn't seem to always want to get dirty. Maybe sometimes, maybe when he was feeling it. But he didn't always seem to, to be there 100%. And that was always a big problem with him. I think it was the same with Demarius Thomas. And I like Demarius Thomas. I think he was one of the greatest receivers in Broncos history. But but he didn't seem to always give it 100%. And, and when you see guys like that on the field, it's hard to really root for them. Now, you know, pick whatever bones you want with Emmanuel Sanders, but he seems like a guy who's always just going. I mean, he's just 100% going, going, going. And that's something I really respect. Now, he has some maybe some, I don't know, temper issues or whatever you want to say, but 
I think he's a guy that you can really get behind. And it's the same with, with Lindsey, with Chris Harris Jr., guys who you just never, ever see take off a play. And I believe, from what I hear and from what Skipper Dude will tell you a little bit later on, that Callahan and Jackson are two guys who really are going to just bring it. They're going to get dirty. They're going to get in there and, and tackle guys. They're going to hit guys hard. And they're just nasty football players. And that's, that's I think, one of the highest compliments you can pay to a football player, to an athlete. I mean, if you... If, if, you can say, okay, this guy's a cornerback, this guy's a wide receiver. But if you say this guy's a player, this guy is a football player, he will do whatever it takes to help his team win a game. He'll do whatever it takes to get the best out of his skills. And maybe Kareem Jackson or Bryce Callahan, maybe they're not even the most physically gifted guys. And I think you can say that. Maybe even Chris Harris Jr. isn't the most physically gifted guy. But as we see over and over and over, it's not all about physical traits. You have to have guys who have it. They have to have it. They have to have this motor, this passion, this desire to be better than you. They want to, they they should want to hurt you on the field. Not injure, not injure, but they should want to hurt you. They want to get into your head and, and make you worry and make you, you know, stressed out. And that's that's what someone like Chris Harris Jr. does. And he's he's been really good at it. And he's just smart. Chris Harris Jr. is so smart. He watches so much film and you can see that he is he is so in tune with with where he needs to be on the field. And as a cornerback, as a excuse me, as a as a nickel cornerback, as a slot covering cornerback, it's one of the most difficult positions in all of football. And and it's really underappreciated and he perhaps could be the greatest of all time he's one of the greatest of all time as a slot covering cornerback I don't think anyone would deny that and that's a huge huge skill and part of it of course I mean it's quick feet it's being able to shift your hips etc but so much of it is smarts and the other part of it is just being a baller and I love that about Chris Harris Jr. and I I really think we're getting that with Kareem Jackson and Bryce Callahan there's rumors this isn't really being you know I don't know substantiated out there, but there's rumors that the Broncos are looking at bringing back Kayvon Webster, which is really interesting, I think. He, he was obviously a really nice fourth, fifth cornerback uh, back in, oof, when was he here? Maybe 2013, 14, 15, some, something like that, or 14, 15, 16, maybe. And he he was a good kind of a depth guy, good physical guy, good, um, you know, a nice, I guess, specimen out there. So if you bring him in, I think this is really interesting. I think, I think you see kind of what the team is looking at doing that I think I think they like Isaac Yadam I think I think that they they like his talent I think that he's a guy who can really grow into the position now he's he's got a lot to learn still he was really rough this last year but he's he he has the talent to to be something really good I think and so if you have Harris Jr. and Callahan and then you bring back Webster and you have Yadam I think you're really looking at moving Kareem Jackson to being your your nickel almost your your nickel linebacker, I think. Now, he's, he's pretty small, but he's this really hard-nosed guy. I think you're going to see him line up a lot and cover tight ends and cover guys out of the backfield. And that's something the Broncos have been terrible at since time in memoriam. I mean, it's, it's been forever. Have they, have they? I don't remember the last time the Broncos could cover tight ends. I don't remember it. I mean, maybe, maybe with T.J. Ward, perhaps, they were decent. I think that's part of what made the... the um, uh, the no fly zone so good that they did have a couple safeties that could cover tight ends, and even then it seemed that that wasn't their that was almost still their weakness even as the no fly zone. And so if they can bring in a guy who can really cover that, maybe it's going to be Justin Simmons. I mean, Justin Simmons is a guy who also was playing a little bit of cornerback last year. Now that was about that was out of pure need, but if he shows that he has those skills, that that is obviously a benefit. So maybe you're going to see a lot of these almost 
positionless players, and that's a really good thing to have. You want guys who can who can really be chameleons that they can change to whatever is needed on the field. And I think that a guy like Vic Fangio is going to really, really have a heyday with guys that can they can be shifted into other areas of the field. And I think you're going to see some some crazy blitz packages. I think you're going to see some awesome you know movement pre and post snap. And I think part of that is you have smart guys on the field. And obviously part of it is you have some really talented guys. And I love, I love, love, love what they've done with the secondary in the offseason. I thought that was a huge weakness. I think obviously everybody thought that was a huge weakness after losing a keep to leave. And I, I've never been a Bradley Roby fan except for when he was the third string cornerback. I think he, he got way too much money, even at, I think, what did he get? 10 million or something. I think that's too much. He had, I think, what do you get? 10 million one year. It's a prove it deal. It's a prove it deal with Houston for Bradley, Bradley Roby. And it makes sense because he really hasn't proved it with Denver. He didn't prove it with Denver the last couple of years, but I love what they've done. I, I love that they're going with this, this kind of a group that can, then that can go out there and, and do different things. And it makes you wonder what they're going to do with the draft. Obviously that's the next big topic. That's the next big thing that everybody wants to know about what, what are they going to do with the draft? And we're going to talk about that in, in the, in the later segments. And we're going to talk about, okay, what, what pieces make sense with what the Broncos seem to be doing? They seem to be wanting to go with this really, really hyper talented athletic and, but mostly smart group and guys who can change into different positions and learn different positions like Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons. And so you're looking at maybe perhaps bringing in a, a really star linebacker. But does it have to be Devin White or Devin Bush? Not necessarily. I think it's a very deep middle linebacker draft. I think they like Josie Jewell. I think they like Josie Jewell partly because he's a very smart linebacker, at least according to everything I hear. He's not the most physically gifted, but he's a, he's a smart guy who understands, you know, where he needs to be. Now, I thought he showed some some big weaknesses last season, but he's also a young guy. So you hope again that maybe with coaching and with another year under his belt, he's a guy who can you maybe you can even rely on being a starter. Now, we'll see. I, I don't really know about Josie Jewell, but I, I could see them drafting somebody obviously at middle linebacker. But you have to love where they're going. You, you love what was what made that 2015 t- team so great? You had great edge rushers, obviously, in Demarcus Ware and Von Miller and, and others. I mean, Shaq Barrett, even Shane Ray, a little bit. And then you had really, really good cornerbacks, really great secondary. I mean, you had Tlaib, you had Harris, you had Roby at third, you had uh, Ward and Darian Stewart back there. And and that's something that I think they're also missing a little bit after Darian Stewart and, and TJ Ward um, kind of let, you know, Ward was, was, was um, not re-signed, and then Stewart kind of really lost a step. But they were big-time thumpers. I mean, go back and watch that 2015 game, the, the championship game against the Patriots. I mean, I remember th- those safeties were just hammering people. Like every, It seemed every pass, every pass that Brady got to Edelman or Amendola, they were just getting lit up. Now, Brady still almost made the greatest comeback of all time Brady had that was an unbelievable game unbelievable that that defensive performance what didn't they hit they hit Brady something like 24 times and he still almost won the game unbelievable I, I'm not a Brady fan I, I hate the Patriots but boy you got to respect them sometimes that was that game was sick I was watching that at the airport like like on my tiptoes looking over a crowd of people that that was that was maybe the most stressed out I've ever been watching a sports game it, it, one of the most top three for sure amazing and they pulled off and obviously went on to win the Super Bowl but but again what made that team so successful was that they had the edge rush that could get to the quarterback and also they had the guys up the middle who were pressuring up the middle this was with, with Derek Wolf and Malik Jackson and if you can re 
build that style, obviously you're going to have some success. You're going to have more success on defense. And I think the Broncos are really attempting to do that. And with another great defensive coach, remember they had Wade Phillips and the defense was really what won the the championship. And it seems like Elway kind of has that in his mind that, hey, okay, the last time we were successful, we had a quarterback who was very intelligent, who who was who helped everybody around him be better, even if he was not a very good on-the-field quarterback anymore. Peyton Manning was not great, but he still made people better. He still held people accountable. He was still so smart pre-snap that he could he could really overcome a lot of his physical deficiencies. And you had a great defensive coach all-time great defensive coach in Wade Phillips, who really made the, got the best out of his players. And I think they're trying to rebuild it. They're trying to say, okay, Joe Flacco, he's limited. He, he, he's not the greatest quarterback, but he is a guy who can make people better around him. He's not just a guy who, who only works if the talent is great. Case Keenum is that guy. Case Keenum is a guy who only can be good if everyone around him is fantastic. Flacco can. He can raise all the boats around him. Now, he also needs help. He does. He's, he's not Peyton Manning, but he's at least a step towards Peyton Manning. He's a guy who can boost everyone around him, and that's obviously a big plus that they did in the offseason. Now, so you have the defensive coach, Fangio. Step one, you have Joe Flacco, who's at least closer to a guy like Peyton Manning than Case Keenum was. Now, I'm not saying he's even close, but he's closer than Case Keenum was. And, and then, so the next step is to build a defense in the image of 2015 with another great defensive coach. And they're starting that. You have the edge rushers. You have Chubb. You have Miller. You have Shelby Harris in the middle. You have Derek Wolf. You have Gotsis. I think you could really boost the middle. I mean, people say, you know, if, if you had someone like Quinnen Williams fall to you at 10, I don't think that's ever possibly going to happen. But if it did, oh my gosh. I mean, you, you draft him in a blink. I mean, you don't even, you don't wait five seconds if, if he's available and you, you pick him and you put him in the middle along with, with the other guys. And you have a great, great, awesome line. And and then also you have, obviously, a much, much improved secondary. And and I don't think the secondary is as good as it was in the no-fly zone. I think Tlaib is a, is a much better talent than anyone else they have, even if he's kind of an idiot. He was a great talent. He's a guy who could really do different things. He's a guy who could cover Gronkowski one-on-one because he's so big and, and physical. And he's a guy who really set the mood and... and in different games, I think in, in the Super Bowl as well, you know, just you know, tossing guys around and getting penalties because he wanted to to set the tone. And you don't have that anymore. But I hope I hope that someone like Kareem Jackson, someone that I don't know if he's as as loud and as obnoxious as Tlaib, but I think he may be a guy who will lead with his presence. You know, his his toughness, his his dirtiness, is the guy who's going to hit people and the guy who's going to get a little bit nasty. And I think the Broncos need that. I think they have it. I think. I love what they've done in this offseason. I love it. I love it if they bring in Kareem, in, in um, Kayvon Webster. If they bring in Kayvon Webster, I think the secondary is top, top notch. I think they have a, the opportunity to do something really special with Fangio calling blitz packages. You have Bryce Callahan, who's one of the top blitzing cornerbacks in football. Kareem Jackson is a big thumping you know, cornerback. Or not, he's not big, I should say, but he, he's, he's big into thumping people. Um, you have Simmons, who's, who's a really athletic guy. I think Will Parks is coming into his own. I love what they've done in, in, on defense. And I think that they're just even starting. I think there are more moves they can make. Kayvon Webster would be a great addition. And then you go and you draft somebody in the first, second round who can really boost maybe the, the linebacking core and also maybe the edge rush. Keep in mind, they only really have two edge rushers. I mean, who is behind Miller and, and, um, and Chubb? 
I don't even know if I could name anybody. I, th- there's really no one. So they really do need to to add to their edge rush. And I could see, honestly, they could go edge rush in the first round because they do need more talent there to back up the two starters anyway. Okay, that's what I want to talk about. And then in the third segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about who the Broncos should or could draft in the first round of the 2019 draft coming up in just about a month from now and how that could affect either the offense or the defense moving forward for this season and seasons to come. But before that, up next is the Skipper Dude with his thoughts, his last, his final thoughts on 2019 free agency and just how the other fan bases believe the Broncos have done with their three or four additions in the last few weeks. Skipper Dude up next after this short break. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thanks, as always, for having me on, Kevin. I am the Skipper Dude, proud Broncos fan since 1984. So first of all, Kevin, I wanted to wish you a happy big 3-0 yesterday or Monday. It's a big day in your life this past Monday. And all of us in America, all, all your friends and family, are wishing you nothing but the best. May all of your life's fumbles be recovered and your Hail Marys answered, Kevin. So so anyways, now on to business. If you listen to last week's broadcast, you'll remember that we discussed free agency in general and Mile High Report in particular, specifically looking back at some of John Elway's worst and best free agency signings to see how Mile High Report reacted on the day of each signing. And the conclusion from that little journalistic endeavor was that we as fans, do pretty well at sniffing out bad signings. In fact, the comment sections for a story like a major free agency tend toward quite a number of good comments, but with a lot more that don't age as well. But but what seems to be most impressive is how spot-on the wrecks or likes in the comments section tend to be. It actually makes an impressive statement about the football IQs of the more casual MHR readers. So as we wind down free agency and gear up for April's draft, I thought I would take one final look back at free agency 2019 and flip the tables today. Use what we learned last week about the SB Nation fan base in general, and MHR in particular, and we'll look at some other SB Nation sites for the Houston Texans, the Chicago Bears, and the Miami Dolphins to see how they are dealing with the losses of Kareem Jackson, Bryce Callahan, and Juwan James, respectively. I figure that the more distraught those fan bases are, the, the better sign it is regarding the caliber of the players we've just signed, right? So, so let's start with a little control experiment to see if this kind of analysis is going to have some value. Let's suppose we're the Carolina Panther fans, 
they, they, who know next to nothing about Matt, Matt Paradis, who signed, you know, Matt Paradis, of course, signed with the Panthers on, on March 12th for three years at, at $27 million. And we're going to go troll Mile High Report to see what the good folks in Denver have to say about our new starting center. Well, before an article on, on March 12th, or we'd find an article on March 12th written by Tim Lynch, which was interestingly written before Parody signed with the Panthers, but on the same day, I believe. In fact, at the time Tim Lynch wrote the piece, the Broncos fans were still hoping to see Parody's in orange and blue in 2019. So predictably, some of the first Salmon comments in the comments section are in favor of Elway resigning Parody's. That would be solid. The best signing just because he's a homegrown player, five or six round pick, Denver 78. Uh, next comment comes from Bronco Daddy. Please, Parody's make deserves to be made a Bronco for life. I really, really, really hope Elway can make it happen. Okay, so, but, even though there's a couple of good comments there, there's already, if I'm a Broncos fan, I'm liking this signing, but there are some dark clouds starting to cast as well. Even before Parodies got away, Nick Cast was casting some doubts on re-signing him. Connor McGovern could be our next center next year at one-fifth the cost. He's also four years younger than Parodies. Parodies isn't a player in his mid-20s who is going to keep getting better. He's turning 30 and has had bad hips for years. Paying him do top dollar is not a smart investment. Then the word comes out that Parodies signed in Carolina, and Nick Cass gets another salmon comment uh, where he says, Good luck to Matt. He is one of Elway's best draft choices and was a true warrior when he was here. We just couldn't afford to pay him $11 million this year. It's just not worth it for a team that's not in contention and for a player who's 30, turning 30. Then comes a string of well-wishing, as you would imagine. Thanks for your time in Denver, Matt. Good luck in Carolina. Let's see what Munchak can do. There are still plenty of options of plenty. Dr. Cyanide, 28. And then comes a fairly ominous observation from Bronco Man. He says, seems like Denver was only offering a one-year deal. Something tells me that Denver doctors have some concerns with long-term future. Guy who had both hips replaced, now a broken leg, might be some serious structural issues with his legs. Hope it works out for parodies in Carolina, but Elway may know some things we don't and was playing the odds. So, as, as a Carolina fan, what have I learned about this pickup from, from reading the MHR? Parodies is obviously a great player, one of the best El, you know, Elway's late-drown draft picks, and extremely well-regarded by Denver Bronco fans. Bronco country in general wanted to like crazy to keep him. However... His injury concerns with chronic bad hips and coming off a broken leg are a significant cause for concern. So for me, this is basically, as a Carolina Panther fan, it's a high-risk, high-reward type of a signing. If he stays healthy, he, he could very well do great things in Carolina and be, and be a great bargain. But as a Panther fan, I'm realizing that coming off that broken leg and major hip surgeries, he may just be a shell of a player at this point in his career. Okay, fair enough. Are we ready now to look at Kareem Jackson and the reaction in Houston to the Texans losing their starting cornerback to free agency? All right, well, let's dig into Battle Red blog, SB Nation, home of the, uh, the Houston Texans, and the March 11th story by Jeremy Brenner. Of note in the article is that KJX hasn't been a career starter. Jackson enjoyed, he, Brenner says, Jackson enjoyed a breakout year last season with career highs in tackles, 87, and forced fumbles, 2 he also started every game for the Texans, something he had not done since his rookie year. Jeremy then throws some love in, in, to Jackson in the article. 
It's definitely bittersweet to see K-Jax go. His $11 million per year salary might, not be, it might be out of Houston's price range for the position, but there is certainly a happiness for Kareem to see him make so much money after busting his tail in Houston for years. He's definitely earned his payday after playing his best season of his career last season, Brenner said in his article. So before we even get into the comments, we see a picture emerging of a guy who plays hard, is beloved of the fans, but probably not a monster talent, judging by his lack of career starts. The first salmon, or in this case, light green, comment is the very first comment from a poster named Visionary Dot. Told you, congrats to Kareem, but he's being way overpaid, just like Mathau. Here's to Amos and, and Thomas, neither of which I'd prefer over Ty or Reem. Okay, man, good for him. At $11 million per year, I can't be upset that he signed elsewhere. Posted by Free2Shred00. Next comment comes from Aussie Texans fan. He just made the Broncos a little more likable. Sad to see him go. Best of luck, KJAX. I'll be cheering for you. And next one comes from a poster named Suggs. This actually hurts. I remember when everyone wanted his head, and now he's leaving with the following marks on the franchise. Tie for first all-time interceptions, second in pass deflections, fourth in games played. Thank you, Kareem. So really the picture that starts to emerge here is a guy who may not be a high-end, physically talented guy, but he's a guy who's a warrior, and he's beloved of the fans. Last week, we talked about the unexpected intangible impact that guys like Emmanuel Sanders and Demarcus Ware have had in Denver. And, and where I don't see Kajaks being like that kind of player that on that level, I do think he's a guy who's going to elevate the locker room and the overall professionalism of the Denver Broncos both on and off the field. So I'd, I'd say that to the extent I already like this signing pretty well, I like it a little better after having read Battle Red blog because I think KJAX has some intangibles to offer Vic Fangio and the Denver Bronco defense. Okay, so on to Bryce Callahan and Windy City Gridiron, home of the Chicago Bears. In an article entitled A New Nickel, Bryce Callahan to Reunite with Vic Fangio in Denver, Departs Bears. Robert Zaglinski writes that... that Talent has never been an issue for Callahan, but as he says, the 27-year-old Callahan has never played more than 13 games in the season as he's had a variety of durability issues plague his four-year career. Most recently, this, the versatile defensive back broke his foot and missed Chicago's last four games of the 2018 season, which included a playoff defeat to the Eagles. Salmon comment by a poster named Beer Down. Is it fair to say they, and they mean Callahan and, and cornerback Adrian Amos, who also left in free agency, were at least bottom half of the defense as far as skill, importance, or some mixture of the two? I'm glad we were able to develop talent and still be able to let them go because we simply have better players to pay. A UDFA and fifth-round draft pick rose to a starting role on our number one ranked defense. Usually a fifth and a UDFA, I'm happy if they finish out their contracts and contribute in basically any way. In addition, they went on to get paid by teams needing to overpay for talent. A little, little swipe of the Broncos there. I'm pretty ecstatic with their tenure here, and I'm, as I'm sure they were too. So Beard Down was not particularly high in Callahan or particularly sad to see him go. The Bears signed cornerback Buster Scrine, just so you understand the next couple of comments, earlier in the week. So the writing may have been on the wall that they were going to let Callahan go. But here were the next two Salmon comments. First one was by a, a poster named Mitch Slapped. 
So the beers, the, the Bears honestly think Scrine is better than Callahan. I just don't get this logic at all. You'll pay Scrine $5.5 million a year, but won't pay Callahan $7 million? This ad makes absolutely no sense to me. What a complete joke, actually. I'm pretty upset about this, actually. Okay, and then the next comment goes to a poster named Jim Finks, 1983. He says, The way the Bears move so fast to sign Scrine, I'm guessing that Callahan's agent wasn't giving Pace a lot of positive feedback. And maybe Callahan was waiting to see what the Broncos came up with first. He obviously wanted to play for Fangio. All right, and then the remaining Salmon comments read more like these last two. Fans in Chicago are kind of upset um, that, Fangio, that Callahan's gone and, and feel like his legions was more with Fangio than it was with the Bears. Okay, so what does that tell us? With Callahan, he's a little five foot eight guy. You're, you're getting a fairly premium talent physically, a guy who's struggled with injury. So it's not that much a different value proposition than Matt Paradis in that sense, although uh, Callahan has not been through the major injuries that Paradis ha- has, has been through. But two things really jump out with the Windy City gridiron. Number one, fans are not particularly happy to have lost him. And, and number two, with the exception of our friend Beer Down, Callahan seems to be well worth his $7 million. So are we seeing the Fick Fangio discount starting to play into the Broncos offseason plans? I'd like to think we are. Bryce Callahan appears to be a very nice signing. I think that confirms what, what, we've, what we've thought in, in Bronco country. All right, so now on to the Finsider, the home of the Miami Dolphins, to talk about Jawan James. What's interesting, though, is that you really don't find any mention of Jawan James leaving anywhere at the Finsider. There are a couple of reasons for that, I think. Number one, the story of, of Jawan James leaving to, to Denver broke the same day as the Dolphins traded Ryan Tannehill to Tennessee. And as you would imagine, the Tannehill trade dominated that day's news cycle for, for uh, Dolphins fans. Jawan James to the Broncos were really not much of a blip on the radar in comparison. But number two, the Dolphins have pretty much committed to going what Kevin and I like to call full Chucky in order of in honor of the Raiders head coach John Gruden. They're, they're completely blowing that team up, getting ready of their talent and starting over. So it's understandable that, that there was not a thread dedicated to Juwan James in light of it being just one move and a, a bigger what's a, basically a bigger m- nuclear meltdown in Miami. But I do still find it a little bit curious, a little bit disconcerting, that your former right tackle signs a contract as the NFL's highest paid right tackle, and you don't even have a thread for it? That's a little odd. I, I had to go back to February 27th to find anything relevant on Juwan James. In a story by Justin Heyer talking about the Dolphins' efforts to reside James in the upcoming free agency period, Heyer's take is generally fairly positive. James, he says, who will be 27 in June, was drafted by Miami in the first round of that 2014 draft and has been a steady force at right tackle ever since. He's by no means a Hall of Fame caliber player, but he and fellow first-round selection Laramie Tunsil formed one of the best tackle duos in the league last season and would be a strong foundation on an offensive line that is sure to be holding down the fort for a rookie quarterback in the next year or two. All right, so he's fairly positive. But the um, the tone in the comment section that followed was, was again, it was fairly solid, but it was certainly not elite toward, towards Jawan James. The The first comment comes from um, EJ, P-L-A-Y-A, EJ, EJ Playa. If we can sign, re, re-sign James for about $7.5 million average per season without having to go too long out on guaranteed money, 
then I think we need to do that. I, I'm 50-50 on whether or not I want him back, but he is solid, and I think a better line coach could maybe may help him become even better. Okay, yeah, so so 7.5 million was definitely not going to get it done, EJ, but, but we're pretty hopeful here in Denver that Mike Munchak is going to be that better line coach. Uh, it, the overall tone of the Finsider was probably best captured by, by poster RDO33. He says, Joanna Man James is almost like Mike Pouncey 2.0. He'll, he'll have a good stretch of play when he's fully healthy and things are going right. And like clockwork, he'll get dinged up and just fall off a cliff. PFF ranked James as the number 34 overall tackle with a 70.8 7, grade. I'm pretty much over James as well. He, he's kind of soft and he makes too many silly mistakes at the wrong time to kill momentum. But I will say he is only 26 years old and entering his prime, so maybe this new staff can bring the best out of him. So I have mixed feelings on resigning him for that reason. So, so basically the impression that most of us have about this, this being an overpay by Elway is pretty well borne out by the Finsider. Juwan James comes off as, as a real, real talented guy who has not been particularly well coached and, and very inconsistent in, in his career to date. Um, so I'll go back to what I said last week, and I think it pretty well held true. If Juwan James was Mike Munchak's pound-the-desk, gotta-have-him guy, like Bill Kohler and Adam Gotsis a few years ago, then I'm okay with that overpaying him, in all honesty. But if this was just a matter of Elway getting carried away emotionally on day one of free agency, then I think it's a fairly terrible move from a salary cap perspective. And when you so so in conclusion here, when when you place the 2019 free agent free agency class in a broader perspective of guys like Donald Donald Stevenson and Minalik Watson or Mark Sanchez on the downside, and, and again and Wes Welker, Demarcus Ware, and, and Peyton Peyton Manning on the upside, it's honestly hard to see these three guys making their way close to either of those extremes. But at this point. I'm going to place my trust in Vic Fangio, Ed Donatel, Rick Scangarello, Mike Munchak, and, and, and this excellent um, Broncos coaching staff and assume that they've gotten their guys and, and that big things are ahead for our Broncos. Kevin, back to you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Kevin is hot. Yes, I'm hot, and I'll tell you exactly why I'm hot. This new rule about being able to flag pass interference calls, even if there isn't a flag, really makes me wonder 
how is that going to work? I mean, how are you going to be able to judge what is pass interference and what isn't? I mean, I, I believe that perhaps, I mean, on a deep ball, you could probably call, I don't know, 80% of them pass interference, either on offense or defense, because these guys are fighting with their hands. There's oftentimes, I don't know, misconduct on both sides and oftentimes with defense. The defense already has a hard enough time defending wide receivers. You see oh, more and more and more the rules change for for in favor of the offense, and that's probably because the league just wants more more offense because that's what sells tickets and that's what you know the NFL wants to be. Now, okay, that's that's what whatever you want to call it. But and I get it that after the the New Orleans Saints lost because of that unbelievable pass interference penalty and they should get some justice for that. Okay, I get that point of it. But wh- what do you do? I mean, if, if I'm the Broncos or if I'm any team and you're down at the at the end of the first half or the end of the second half, at this point, I would I would every single time, no matter what, even, even at, at the end of the first half, you chuck a ball towards the end zone with a couple seconds left. Every time. Or, or chuck it deep. Just chuck it deep. If, if you have any coverage that, that ever allows for it, you chuck it deep. And if it's incomplete, you, you throw a challenge flag and challenge for pass interference every single time because your, your chances of getting a pass interference penalty are pretty good. Now, yeah, you could end up wasting a, a challenge flag, but I mean, it's the end of the half, especially or the end of the game. It's definitely worth the risk and it's definitely the best opportunity to get down the field and score points, either a field goal or a touchdown. So I think this is kind of a brain dead decision. I I understand why they did it, but I think it's going to backfire because again, teams are going to just strategize around that and just toss it deep. And and they don't even care if it's incomplete. They don't even care if it's double coverage as long as it's not picked off. So just throw it far enough that the defenders aren't going to be able to catch up to it. And then you throw a flag and just hope that the refs are going to call pass interference, which more often than not, they probably will. Bad decision. Bad decision. I think it's going to be totally, it's going to totally backfire. And this is not going to work out at all how the NFL thinks it will. Brilliant, guys. Brilliant. Thanks to the Skipper Dude, as always, for his awesome segments and for the birthday wishes. Yes, I turned 30. I am now in. A responsible adult. Uh, there were some times over the weekend I had to make some responsible decisions because I figured, you know, now's the time to grow up a little bit. Now's the time. I'm 30. No more 20s. You know, it's the dirty 30s and time to uh, make the right decisions and whatnot. So if I had the choice of um, roller or um, scooting, scootering down a really steep hill or walking, I decided to walk like a mature 30-year-old man. Um, yeah, actually, I, I was lucky enough that I got to spend my 30th birthday and 30th birthday weekend in Vienna, Austria with my amazing and lovely wife, Ina. Um, really, really fantastic week. Vienna is a beautiful city. We had some gorgeous weather. Uh, the, the, my birthday on Monday was actually a little bit rainy in the morning, but uh, it was very nice. Uh, on my birthday, we actually got to um, scoot around, scooter around the entire city. Uh, they have a really cool bike path that goes like a, almost a circle around the city. And you're able to rent in Vienna. I think it's the same in the U.S. It's, it's not very common yet in Europe, but in the U.S., I guess they have these all over the place. But these little scooters, these little motorized scooters that you can stand on and that you can rent um, with just uh, a little quick download of an app. And you pay something, like, I don't know, 15 cents a minute or something like that. Uh, really cool way to see a city. I, I really highly recommend it. If you if you see them in in the U.S., they're really easy, um, really decently affordable, and a fun way to get around uh, 
And Vienna, I can't recommend enough. A really beautiful city. If I had to say, I've seen a lot of the cities now, the big cities in Europe, and obviously not all of them, but I've seen Rome and Paris and Dublin and Vienna and Venice. And uh, I haven't seen Rome. I'm sorry. I meant, I meant um, Dublin in London. Rome is hopefully next. Rome is hopefully this year in May is the plan. Um, but anyway, I've seen a lot of cities. My favorite, I have to say, is Venice. I just loved Venice. Venice was unbelievable. I mean, just an unbelievable experience. I, I went there two years ago on my birthday with my with my um, then fiance, now my wife. Um, beautiful, beautiful place and just truly unique. I, I can't recommend it enough. If you go though, the, the trick, and this is the trick that, that, that she and I have found, and you need to go First of all, in the off season is is best because it's not so totally crowded with tourists. But the trick is that you stay in the middle of the city. So if you have the choice of either renting a really really nice Airbnb or or hotel outside of the city or a not quite so nice hotel in the middle of the city, do the not quite so nice one in the middle of the city. You you can get about the same price, and it's worth it. You, you're rarely there. All you really do in your apartment is sleep, right? So you don't need something really special. So you get something right in the middle of the city, and then the trick is that you get up in the morning, and you get up early, you get up at like 7 o'clock, and you and there's no one there. People don't really, the tourists don't wake up until about 10. So you have really three or four hours just on your own. Now, obviously not everything's open, but if you just want to walk around the city or want to scooter around the city, it's really great to do it. I really highly recommend that's the best way to travel. And I think when we go to Rome, what we're going to try to do is we're going to get up early, and go around and walk around the city, and then you go back for lunch when it's really hot, obviously, in Italy, in, in May even, and you go back for lunch, you make your own lunch, because if you eat out every day, two or three times a day, it gets obviously really, really expensive, go back to the go back to the hotel room, uh, make some pasta or something, spend a couple hours there, and then go back out when the evening um, comes back, and you have all the markets and stuff in the Italian streets, so that's, that's, that's my little uh, traveling tip for anyone listening and for anyone who cares even a little. But if anyone's ever in, if anyone is ever in Munich or in the in the uh, Munich area, kind of the southwestern um, European countries, uh, definitely give me a, a shout because I'd love to meet up with you and, and perhaps show you around Munich. Um, I'm also always looking for fan rants. I've had a couple really good ones over the last few weeks. It's not necessary. I don't need one, but I like it. I like to have other guys, other women, other people, other Broncos fans contribute to the show. So please, if you have a fan rant, um, email me at KevinGillikinUSA at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at Kevy Gillikin. That's K-E-V-V-Y-G-I-L-L-I-K-I-N. Gillikin. It's actually, I, I know I'm totally going off sports and, and not I'm going off on tangents right now, but it's it's my birthday week, so that's my excuse. But anyway, Gillikin originally was Gilligan, like Gilligan's Island in Ireland. But when my ancestors back in the, I think the mid 1800s came over, they wanted to Americanize their name a little bit because they didn't want the, the whole, um, I don't know, the bad reputation of the Irish and the, the Irish Gilligan name. So they changed it to Gilligan, which I guess they thought was more, um, American. (laughs) I don't really know. Uh, anyway, yeah, my, my ancestors were Gilligan. So, uh, Gilligan's Island is fitting, but I know it also confuses people a lot because they usually search for Gilligan, but it's actually Gillikin. That's G-I-L-L-I-K-I-N, Gillikin, Kevin Gillikin. Yeah, so anyways, fan rants. Um, the only rules, it needs to be one to ten minutes long, and it needs to have no profanity or anything bad. It has to be appropriate for all 
listeners, including children and priests and anybody else who might be listening to the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast. Anyway, okay, back to sports. I know I'm I'm boring you. I, I hope I didn't just lose about half of my listeners. As we were talking about, and, and, and as the skipper dude was talking about, we both really like the free agent signings. We don't love Juwan James. I think he and I are both on the same page with that, that that's a really wait-and-see type of a signing. He's a guy who, who doesn't seem to me, to have proven himself enough to get paid the highest money as a right tackle in football. But that said, if Mike Munchak and the coaching staff really love him, then I'm I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt on that. And I'm willing to say, okay, with Bowles and James at, at tackle, and if you have a really great coach like Munchak coming in to coach him, maybe they can become a really good tandem. Now, at the moment, I don't love it, but again, we'll see. I'm, I'm not hating on it yet. We're going to need a year or two probably to really find out what he can do. It sounds like he's an absolute athletic freak. He, he's really, really athletic, really physically gifted, but he, he really needs to work on some of his, um, I don't know, his, his his footwork and some of his placement of his hands and, and et, et cetera. I mean, all the things that linemen, offensive linemen need to learn that none of us really understand unless we've played offensive line, and I have not, but um, hopefully he works out. Uh, the other guys, Skipper Dude loves as well. Um, and as we talked about in the first segment, the question now, of course, is what are the Broncos going to do for the 2019 draft? And of course, no one has any idea. It's, it's it's really even, it seems to me more of a crapshoot than it's been even in years past. But but you remember last year, I mean, geez, I mean, the Broncos, no one really knew what they were going to do then either. I mean, a lot of people thought they'd pick a quarterback because, well, they, they had Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch at quarterback. So the, the, the idea was that, okay, maybe Case Keenum would be the QB, but they, they would probably draft somebody, right? But no, they, they didn't. They went with Bradley Chubb because Bradley Chubb fell. Um, there were other guys. Denzel Ward, I think, was a guy that a lot of people thought that they may pick at cornerback. And I think that would have been a, a very solid pick. He's been a good player for the Cleveland Browns. Um but it just shows you that no one really knows. And, and there's so many mock drafts. I see that they're just all different. I, I see so few that are that are similar or, or the same. And the only ones that I see that actually have the Broncos picking the same guy, that there's one guy that comes out more than the rest. And that's Drew Locke, the quarterback out of Missouri. And I just, I don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, I, okay, you know, these guys get, get paid to make mock drafts. So, you know, good for them. They know more what's going on than I do. But I, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I, I give that like 0.1% chance. Now, yeah, sure, maybe it'll happen. I, I could be proven wrong, and I'm okay with that. Maybe Drew Locke turns out to be the next franchise quarterback. But I really think Elway went, in, went out and got Joe Flacco because he believes that he at least can be the next quarterback for the next two or three years. And if that's the case, you're only going to draft a guy you absolutely love, especially at number 10. And I get no impression at all that the Broncos love Drew Locke. I think they like Drew Locke. Again, we talked about this many times. I think they they liked him before his his, his draft status shot up. You know, he was he was considered pretty low until the last I don't know couple months. And so when the rumors were that the Broncos were checking him out, I don't think that was the idea that that he was going to be a number ten pick. I think it was an idea that maybe they'll trade back in the draft and draft him maybe in the late first round or even in the beginning of the second round. Because remember, they're going to have a high second round pick as well. And I really believe that was more of their thinking. I don't think they thought he would be a, a top a top 10 pick for sure. And he may still not be a top 10 pick. So, I mean, the Broncos could trade back and could maybe draft Drew Locke. But no one really knows. It's a really strange draft too because I keep hearing it seems like Drew or, or, or Haskins, Dwayne Haskins, it seems like his draft stock continues to drop. Now, maybe I'm just misinterpreting that, but I really see him 
continually not in the conversation of even top 10. Now, that has really changed because in during the, the season or at the end of, of the 2018 season, we really had him as the guy. He was the quarterback coming out in the 2019 draft. Really, no one else was even in the conversation. And so Murray declared... And and he became the big guy. He became the the name that's like okay, this is the wild card. This is this is the Baker Mayfield type of a player, um, or the Patrick Mahomes type of a player. And and so he's kind of gotten all the attention. But if he goes number one to Arizona, then Drew Rose or then um um Rosen. Boy, I keep calling everyone Drew. My, my first name my first names are failing me right now. I, I'll just go last name basis. So anyway, Rosen. Um, it has it obviously will be traded somewhere. I mean, you can't imagine that Murray and Rosen are going to stay in, in Arizona. And so Rosen probably either goes to New York or perhaps to Washington or, or even to New England. That, that's, that's a rumor that New England would try to have him as the, as the future um, behind Tom Brady, if Tom Brady ever retires, which I don't really know if he's age. I think he's age. I think he's got Benjamin Button disease, Tom Brady over there in New England. He seriously, he looks better now at what 42 than he did at 22. Seriously, I'm not. I'm not kidding. Go look at his pictures. I mean, he was like a chubby little dweeb when he came into the league, and now he's this like super attractive, you know, salt and pepper quarterback. I mean, looks like he should be on. I don't know some some. Uh, soap opera or something. I don't even know. Anyway, um, I don't know what they're going to do with Rosen, but but it seems that Haskins continues to drop. It's like, okay, who's going to pick Haskins? But there are so many times that these these kind of surprise teams coming out of the woodwork and draft a quarterback. And I think even like Tampa Bay could draft a quarterback. I don't think they love Jameis Winston. I think Winston is is kind of an airhead and a guy that obviously they've benched for, for Fitzpatrick at times. And if you're going to bench guys for Fitzpatrick, then yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know if you're in the best of shape at quarterback. And so we'll see. I think there's, there's a lot of question marks. But if now th- that's my question, if Haskins falls to 10, do the Broncos draft him? And I think that he fits the Broncos style more than it, obviously Murray. And I think Locke also d- decently fits their their style as well. But Locke is just not he's not the heralded guy like Haskins. I mean, Haskins, at least before the last few weeks was really considered the guy. He was going to be the, the quarterback. And, and I don't know what's changed. I, I really don't know what's changed. I think he, he seemed, people have seemed to sour on him a bit. So the, the question is, if he falls to 10, do the Broncos draft him? I think that's an interesting question. That's more interesting to me than Drew Locke. I don't think they draft Drew Locke. I don't think they think he's top, top 10 pick. Now, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. But I don't, I don't appreciate that most mock drafts, or mo- not most, I should say more have him than, than any other player um, coming off the board at 10 to the Broncos. And I, I completely disagree, completely disagree. And it's a very, it's a very split um, group also at the milehighreport.com staff that half the staff seems to really want Drew Locke and thinks that they'll go for him, and half really don't think they will and don't want him to either. I think he's too much of a John Elway type of quarterback and he's just not talented enough. He doesn't have a background enough. He doesn't have the footwork to to be able to say he is a top 10 pick. Just don't believe it. And so the Broncos really, they still have enough needs. They have a quarterback who can be good enough for the next few years. We think, we hope, we pray. And if that's the case, you go and you, you draft the best player available for a need. So there are you know different ways of drafting. There's, there's, there's best player available. There's best player available per need. And there's just 
per uh, drafting a player per need. And I think the worst is usually drafting per need. So you say, oh my gosh, the Broncos don't have a tight end and they're a terrible tight end. So let's, let's draft a tight end no matter what. No matter what, we have to draft a tight end. So Noah Fant is probably graded at a, a late first round pick, but the Broncos just have to have a tight end. So they draft him at 10 or, or Hawkinson or whoever. And that's not the way to pick, I don't think. Now, if Hawkinson or Fant are the best player available and you need a tight end, then yeah, sure. But if you're not drafting a guy, say, at, at I don't know, right guard or, or or even at, I don't know, linebacker or at safety even. I mean, guys that you don't have superstars in those positions, then you go and pick a guy who's a generational talent, a guy who's going to come in and immediately change your team for the better rather than saying, okay, nah, we don't want, we're not going to pick Devin White. I mean, we have Josie Joe, we have linebackers that are decent, but we really, really, really need a tight end. So we're going to draft fans. That's not what they need to do. And I don't think Elway will do that. I think Elway typically picks the best player available. Now, what I really don't want Elway to do is to go out and reach for a guy or pick a guy because he, only because he fell. Now, I think sometimes that works. Maybe in the top 10, sometimes it works because, you know, like Bradley Chubb fell because of other teams, you know, drafting up and picking quarterbacks. But if he, if he, if a player falls just because of off the field issues or, or something of the like, or an injury and Elway says, Ooh, okay, you know, I'm going to take the risk. I don't want that. I don't want any risk. I <coughs> Excuse me. I don't want any maybes. I, I want guys that you really are confident are going to be at least a, a difference maker. Now, yes, I, I know you never know what a player is going to be able to contribute. And that's why the draft is such a crapshoot. And that's especially true with, with quarterbacks. And and um, Jeff Essery put out a really, really great um, article on milehighreport.com, I think yesterday or two days ago, about, about how the teams who have drafted quarterbacks or the, the teams that have drafted their now franchise quarterbacks since, I think, 2014 – and and their their paths to that point, you know, who did they go through until they landed their now franchise quarterback? Like the Rams with Jared Goff, you should see the list of quarterbacks that played for the Rams before Jared Goff. I mean, geez, look at Cleveland. I mean, before Baker Mayfield, they went through something like twenty two quarterbacks in ten years. It's it's insane. I totally insane. And and it just shows you. It proves that it is really 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 hard to find a franchise quarterback really hard and so everyone gives John Elway just a total crap about drafting Paxton Lynch and yeah he deserves some of it it was a bad pick but it's not like Elway is the only one who's missed on a quarterback in the draft it happens over and over and over now everyone you know is saying okay and I don't really love that people are saying okay you know these these young guys are going to be franchise quarterbacks like you know Rosen or Darnold or or um Allen you know all these young guys and I, who knows? I mean, we, we, I mean, at, at the time, you know, Jacksonville drafted Blake Bortles, what, geez, that's gotta be five or six years ago now. And he was going to be the franchise quarterback. I mean, how did that turn out? How did that turn out? I mean, sure. They kind of paid him like a franchise quarterback and he was terrible. He was probably like the main reason why Jacksonville sucked and didn't make, you know, didn't go far into the playoffs, even though they had a really great defense and a solid core around him. He was just too bad of a quarterback to, to lead them to anything really successful. And you see, First of all, you have to have a quarterback. Second of all, it's really hard to get a quarterback. And so you see why John Elway went and got Joe Flacco because he's a guy who is, has proven to be a winner. He, 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 he can win in the NFL, and he's won. He's won, a, he's won a Super Bowl. He's a Super Bowl MVP. He had one of the greatest stretches in the playoffs of all time in 2013. Yeah, 2013. And, and that makes sense. Now, he hasn't been that good. 
lately. Honestly, he hasn't been that good in his career, but he's been there. He's done it. He's, he's shown he can be the guy, and, and it makes sense. And I think that, again, partially is why Elway just is not going to risk it on Drew Locke. Just, just no way. No way. And, and he wouldn't risk it on Murray either because Murray is is this guy who, you know, okay, he has some of the skill, some of the talent, but I mean, a small little guy who, who you know, could get hurt, you know, maybe he does. Oh, who knows? You know, we'll see. I mean, it works for, for Baker Mayfield so far. And maybe he'll be the next Baker Mayfield or the next Patrick Mahomes. But I don't think they're going to have a chance to draft him anyway. And I don't think Elway would either because you have to draft a guy who fits in your system. And Murray would definitely not fit in the system. And so is that going to be Haskins? I don't know. I, I like the idea that you you continue to build this team. You're, you're not building to win 2019. I, you're, you're building to get better in 2019. You're building to succeed. You're building to have an okay team in 2019. You're not building to have a great team in 2019. You're aiming for the 2020 or 2021 Super Bowl. I, I believe that. I think that's your window. And so if that's the case, okay, let's build a great defense. John Elway is looking to rebuild the 2015 team. So again, you have the veteran quarterback who's been there, done that, won it. You got him. You, you have the veteran defensive uh, coach, Vic Fangio. Got him. You have a good secondary. Got it. At least this year, they need to re-sign some of their, their safeties um, if they want to keep that or, or sign somebody else, obviously. Um, they have the, the edge rushers like they did in 2015. Now... What you also need is a decent enough offense that can at least win you a couple of games. And I think Flacco is decent enough. I think the weapons around him are decent enough, which means you need either a a lineman, you know, an extra guard or two or center, because <laughs> I mean, McGovern, eh, I don't think he's great. Or you need to bolster the defense and see what talent is available on offense in 2020. So I think... I think they're going to draft defense. I think they're going to draft defense. And I think they're going to go with either a linebacker or even an edge rusher or defensive lineman if one of the great players falls, like Oliver, or even especially if, if Quinn and Williams falls. And if one of them falls, then I think that's where you're going to go. If not, then you're probably going to go with either Devin White or Devin Bush. It just it just makes sense. It makes sense to, to really focus on the defense this year. Uh, maybe draft a, a tight end in the second round. Um, there's some really, really good tight ends coming out in this draft. And I think if you if you do that and, and you go out and you you draft a couple of guys on the offensive line to try to bolster the line and try to hope that you you hit, you know, one of these guys who turns out to be really good, like Matt Paradis and like others. And that's that's the that's the way you're gonna try to build for the future. And John Elway, as always, will try to make a championship team with free agency, as he did in 2013, as he did in 2015, and as he's done in this offseason. And I think if I had to guess right now, if I had to guess right now who the Broncos will draft in 2019, I would say they go with Devin White, the linebacker out of LSU, who I think as a middle linebacker will be a great, um, a great, great, great addition to a defense that is really quickly, quickly becoming a a top part of this team and a, in a, in a group that we can really look forward to and be hopeful about for this season and for seasons to come. Broncos fans, that's all I've got for you this week. Stay tuned next Monday, Monday, Monday will be the next Broncos and Bratwurst podcast. As always, Get all of your Broncos information right here at milehighreport.com. Check in on these other podcasts. They're absolutely awesome. And again, please come back on Monday to tune in for more Broncos and Broadwords podcast. And you stay classy, planet Earth. <laughs>